All right, we are on air. We are live on Podbean for the first time ever. Welcome, uh, welcome the listener, Jim Baldwin, one of our one of our favorites. Jim is here in the uh, in the live show as well. We just finished recording our Dig Deeper podcast on the Last Jedi with Tatooine Sons. We had originally intended to do that show live, but we realized that the Podbean uh recording software has a lot of limitations and we've never used it before <laughs> so that's kind of saying it simply we chose not to do that portion of it live but we are live now for the story geeks club members at three dollars a month or more so we appreciate you guys and glad you guys can join us live that's really fun we might use a different tool in the future it just depends on how we're able to continue going about this had a really great time talking with david from tatooine sons mm -hmm. um david and his sons well, really, his sons have literally named a Star Wars character. Literally, have named a Star Wars character. So, listen to the show to find out how they did that. Um, if you're if you're not listening to this live, it will have been, it will have come out yesterday. So all you have to do is go one podcast back in our, in our, um, in our uh, a number of episodes, and you'll find it. Um, we're going to continue with a couple of questions that we got from people on Twitter in regards to digging deeper into The Last Jedi. If you guys have any other questions you want to throw at us live, go ahead and do so. Um, we'll try and get to those as well. Um, and then we're going to also talk about how to make the sequel trilogy better. That's going to be something else that we are going to dig a little bit deeper into. So, Daryl, my first question for you is, how well does The Last Jedi work as the second act of this sequel trilogy i i think it works really well <laughs> we haven't seen the third act yet right. so it's hard to know for sure but i love the last jedi um i am a big believer in it it's yeah. probably my second favorite star wars film behind Good. the force awakens you are a disney star wars fanatic so when when we get to making the sequel trilogy better that might be hard for me because <laughs> obviously yeah. i'm a fan um <laughs> I think it works really well. I said in the main podcast that it it seems to show up a little bit differently than Empire and Attack mm. of the Clones did for me. Okay. Um, because yeah, there is definitely a tension that's left unresolved as there should be with any second act. Right. But I think there's more resolution to this film than mm. there is to Empire and Attack of the Clones. I think the yeah. tension is stronger in those, specifically with Han being frozen in carbonite mm. and Order 66. Order 66 technically doesn't happen until the third one. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but Order 65. That maybe that's the one that it was. Order 65 Order, came through. Okay. I'm just I'm just I, making that. I think you're just I think <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> you're yanking my chain here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're taking advantage of a lesser It might Star be Wars really fan. hard for us not to swear live. <laughs> I just wanted to. I know. Now. I can tell. I can tell. I'm like, he wants to swear, but he knows we're live. <laughs> this will not get edited. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but no, I think there's a little bit more hope and a little bit more resolution in this film. Mm. Um, maybe not resolution, but definitely hope. There's yeah. a, you know, the spark of hope in the resistance is lit by what they mm. do, what Luke does. And it definitely leaves you very excited to see what's coming, not uh, just because, oh, everything sucks and this needs to be made better. Like, yeah, it's got more of an uptick to it. That makes sense. Mary just joined, too. How's it going, Mary? Um, and I'm really glad I didn't swear. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I think it's impossible to tell. So this question came from uh, Will Marlowe, by the way. Will Marlowe is a screenwriter, and he has been joining me on our... Um, 
our writing series, Writing for Emotional Impact, which is also going to come out, um, the third episode of which will come out on Thursday. He might not anymore now that you just dogged his question. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a great question. I mean, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a good question. I just don't know how to answer it because how can I don't know how how to say whether or not it's good or bad as a second act until I see the third act. Yeah. Um, it's almost impossible. As a, as a film that I know will have a conclusion <laughs> associated with it, um, I think it I think it works. But um, I do think, and I said this in the I said this in the the main show when we recorded that with David. I said the issue with getting rid of Snoke is that I don't see Kylo as sophisticated enough to be considered someone who would generate fear in me right like i think he's just a whiny little kid <laughs> well kind of yeah i mean this is this is the same this is the same person who um you know i i actually go into this i have a um two uh special podcasts that are coming out for club members mm -hmm. where i talk about why you like the force awakens or why you might not like the force awakens yeah and i will tell you that um while i think some of the criticism is overly harsh about how fast ray gets good at things um i just i just don't think that that the build-up to that final lightsaber battle is fair at all it's like if you're telling me that kylo facing off against a dude who's not a jedi and has never used a lightsaber in his life in finn who kind of stands up to him for way too long and then ray and i get i get it he's he's been hit by the blaster bolt like i get it like he's hurt i get all of that he's emotionally <laughs> afraid i understand i just don't think that i don't think that it's fair to say that he's now the baddest dude because look what snoke did to ray ray tries to pull the saber what does snoke do he hasn't come around and hit her in the back of the head like he's like you think you can do anything against me forget about it like kylo he's just not there he's not there yet and that and so them adding palpatine is really intriguing to me but i mean what are they going to do is, is palpatine just going to be like a, a sith force ghost but again so, i, I think the fact that he's not there is part of what makes him dangerous because he is so unhinged and he's so yeah he's a child like he he <laughs> behaves like a teenager like yeah true he's insecure he's scared he doesn't know what to do. He's pissed off that he's not as strong as everybody else. He feels like he's not accepted. Like, yeah, all of those emotions that I mean, we have that stuff all throughout our lives, but right. it's strongest when we're still developing. Right. This is true. And so it seems to me that Kylo is just immature. Yeah. And unable to handle everything that he can do. And that's part of what makes him so dangerous. That's very true. Uh, Jim Baldwin's uh, preference is that Kylo needs to die a horrible slow death. <laughs> so we're we're gonna have uh, we're gonna throw Kylo into the Sarlacc pit, and then that's we'll just. Uh, I wouldn't a, call that an unpopular opinion. Yeah, twenty twenty four seven GoPro footage of Kylo in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> um, the digestion chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's hanging out with Boba Fett. Boba Fett's like protected slightly by the armor. <laughs> I don't know. Um, That's what the Mandalorian's really about. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. All right. So the next the next question on here um, is one of the favorite questions that I've ever heard uh, coming from again Will Marlowe. We'll ask three questions that we're following up on, and this is: um, Was Bathos overused in the movie? 
And I'm going to read you the description of what that is because when I first read that question, I was like, I don't remember a character named Bathos. Yeah. I was <laughs> and, like, is that one of the creatures? Yeah, well, who is that? Is that the guy <laughs> who keeps shoving coins into BB 8? <laughs> is, is that Bathos? <laughs> no, it turns out, turns out that Bathos is a literary term coined by Alexander Pope in his 1727 essay, Perry Bathos, to describe amusingly failed attempts at sublimity. Sub sublimity that's a that's a i've never heard that word before in it's particular yeah in particular bathos is associated with anticlimax, an abrupt transition from a lofty style or a grand topic to a common or vulgar one this might be either accidental or intentional do you think that bathos based on that definition okay wait sorry say the definition again the i'm still wrapping my head around the last part of it yeah so bathos is associated with anticlimax. An right. abrupt transition from a lofty style or a grand topic to a common or vulgar one. So the death of Snoke would be an example. Correct. Okay. Yeah, correct. All right. Where it's like, wow, he's really, really important. Nope, we killed him. Yeah. Right, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Was it used effectively? Was well, it used too much? Was What do you think? Overused? Again, I'd go back to something I said in the main podcasts, which is has having to do with the death of Snoke and also the notion that Ray's parents are nobodies mm. when Kylo says that to her. Mm. Um, it depends on your perspective. It depends on how you took those scenes, mm. right? Yeah. I take those scenes as there's something better on the horizon. Right. So it's okay that Snoke is dead because right. something bigger and badder is coming. He's out there. And um, it's okay that Ray's parents are being considered nobodies because either we'll find out that's actually not true or there's some better story to be told there. So it, I guess it depends on how much faith you have in your storytellers. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. And in this case, it's how much faith do you have in J.J. Abrams, who's going to be the one paying these things off right. down the road. Right. And I have a tremendous amount of faith in J.J. Abrams. So I would say for me, mm -hmm. because of my perspective mm -hmm. and my positive outlook yeah. on this film, I would say, uh, no, I don't think it's overused for me. That might not be a popular opinion, though. Is it overused? I'm not sure it's overused. It's an interesting way of putting the question in there. Is it overused? It's it's most certainly used <laughs> um, in, <laughs> yeah. in several cases. Because I, I think also, like, there's the idea that Poe is going to do something really heroic, but Poe is consistently an idiot, <laughs> right? Like, um, So it's used there as well. Um, so I I don't think it was overused because I think that the way it was used was used very intentionally. It did throw a lot of people off, but like I think when we go to the theater, I don't think we want to see what we predicted. Yeah. I think we want to see we want to as much be as enthralled. you think you want to. Yeah, as much as you think you want to, as much yeah. as you're like because like the human brain, because it's so wired for story, it likes to fill in the gaps. It likes to go, okay, this story is definitely about this thing. But the reality is that it's better for the for the brain to be introduced to new concepts and thought processes mm -hmm. that surprise it. Um, and I think that it does a lot of those surprises will, like you're saying, will either pay off because of JJ Abrams or will fall flat. Yeah. Um, and we don't know yet. So it's really, really hard to tell. It'd be like, it'd be like saying, it'd be like saying like, do you think Bathos was overused on empire? 
the answer to that question is no, unless you just watched Empire and you haven't seen The Return of the Jedi yet. Right? And you're like, <laughs> I'm pretty depressed, actually, because that movie ends real negative. Um, but that's my, my favorite Star Wars movie. It's amazing how much one little word makes a difference. Yeah. If you would have said in Empire, yeah, my mind would not have glitched on anything at all. I would have thought you meant empire strikes back oh yeah, yeah for yeah. some reason the fact that you said on empire you went to the it made me think of no it made me think <laughs> of the fox show with, oh. with terrence howard i'm like empire oh empire strikes back okay yeah. jesse smollett <laughs> jesse smollett's doing all the uh all the uh fake the fake attacks <laughs> on that show it's like he's using bathos in real life yeah <laughs> like, bro take it easy um the Jim does ask. This is the probably the final question that we will take. Well, Will does have a funny question that I'll read before we jump into the sequel. This, how to make the sequel trilogy better? But Jim says, "Have you heard of the theory that Ray is the child um, of Skywalker uh, and the daughter of Palpatine?" The daughter of Palpatine? Yes. Is that a canon thing? Is there actually a daughter of Palpatine? Is there a daughter of Palpatine, or is it just a theory that there is one? And she caught Luke's eye and bada bing. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, the theory, I think the theory is that it's a fan theory that she's the daughter of Palpatine and another, I guess another Skywalker. Who's the, yeah, would it be Leia? Is that the other? Well, that doesn't biologically seem to work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know. I'm I not mean, sure. I, I this is still... a galaxy far, far away. So I'm, you know, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I still think that she's a force creation, personally speaking. And I think that there's evidence of it in the cave because uh, she keeps basically being um, repeated, right? Over and over and over again. The force creates her whenever the force needs to create her. Yeah. Um, and has maybe done so throughout the ages as well. Someone at least like her. So that's my personal take. Um, I've not heard that theory about Palpatine's daughter. No. But um, I would probably not ascribe to that theory because I'm... oh i got it wrong luke skywalker is her father and her mother was palpatine's daughter that's what i thought you said i uh, i don't i wasn't sure what i said <laughs> I, I didn't know that's how i took it okay cool perfect she's the daughter of luke and palpatine's daughter yeah 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 what's up christopher um no i'm i'm still holding out hope that she is um a kenobi Oh, I'm still a in that nobody. Camp. A so we, nobody. Yeah, <laughs> we came up with that term. I'm still she in that. Maybe a nobody. Okay, that makes sense. Last question before we move on to making the sequel trilogy better is: Did Luke choose that particular island because he loves the taste of that blue milk? Isn't it green on Octo? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I think it's. What, what is it? Is it? Is it actually the same milk, or is it just unpasteurized blue milk? Is what it is. I, I think that's what it is. I don't know. I mean, straight from the source, dude. Also, you're you're assuming that just because he squeezed it out of a living thing means it's milk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would assume it's milk. Mary says it's disgusting. I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk is. me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be hilarious, actually. No, I think that uh, I think yeah, Luke is a fiend for that blue milk, dude. He's got to get him. He's like, you know what? I'm so tired of the force, but one thing I could use more of is that blue blue milk so he's in he's in on that you know i don't know how strongly canon um galaxy's edge is uh, yeah but i've it had, is canon I've, it's fully canon i've had that blue milk yeah and it's nothing to write home about so <laughs> it's just real okay <laughs> yeah it's, it's just real it's okay. basically a pina colada with a cookie on top <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 um 
All right, so we're going to move into making the sequel trilogy better. So sequel trilogy being the new Disney series. Um, and there's all there's a lot of controversy about the sequel trilogy, obviously, and whether or not the sequel trilogy is good or bad or, you know, everybody has an opinion on it. Um, I think you, bad you, it's, your favorite. it's your favorite yes. uh, Star Wars movies. For me, I would say that they are... Um, not my favorites, but I do like The Force Awakens a little bit better than The Last Jedi. Last Jedi is near the prequels for me. Um, but we make even really good films to try to make those better. So how do we make this sequel trilogy better? Whether you liked it or you didn't like it, what are some of the things that could have been done in this sequel trilogy to make it better? Do you have any go-tos? Do you have any like things that you go, hey, if they, if they would have done this, this would have been way better? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is Cantabite. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah. We, we said in the in the main podcast that there's some good motivation there. There's a necessary journey for Finn. Yeah. There's a necessary perspective from Ray. Right. But I just think the mechanics of it were clunky mm. and sort of took me out of it and made me feel like I was watching a prequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that could have been a little bit more well thought out. Yeah. One thing that jumps to mind, I, I I'm a little hesitant to say this because I'm not, sure i'm fully bought into believing this but okay i've thought it several times so i may as well say it but i i'm a little cheese balled by the relationship between poe and finn oh, i really? think they take that to a cheesy place sometimes mm. like poe is always like finn buddy you're alive you know yeah, like right. he's he says buddy a lot and he he verbalizes yeah. his opinion of him a lot and i'm just Sometimes when I see that, I'm like, it takes me out of it a little bit because I feel like I think maybe they're trying a little bit too hard to make us mm. feel like Poe and friend, friend, Poe <laughs> and Finn are buddies. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe a maybe a darker take would have been good, but also this movies, these movies are all family movies, right? Like they want to appeal to right all levels of viewers, right? And that kind of display of a friendship is going to appeal really well to my sons. Yeah. You know what I mean? So right. I don't want to like throw it out and say that it should be changed, but mm. it takes me, it, there's a, there's not a whole lot of weight to it, I guess. It takes okay. me out of it a little bit, but that's a real small nitpicky kind of thing. Let, let me, let me, uh, let's dive into Canto Bite a little bit. Cause that is of all the things that have occurred in the sequel trilogy. Canto Bite is by far my least favorite part of the sequel trilogy. I know that people will say, oh, no, 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 like it has uh, it has a reason to be there. Like there's a reason for Canto Bite to happen. That's not necessarily my problem with it. I'm not I'm not saying that Canto Bite results in nothing. It results in a lot of frustration for characters, which is usually a good place to put characters because it makes the storytelling far more interesting. My issue with Canto Bite is that it feels like it feels like a really hacky plot line where they didn't have anything for those characters to do right so like if the character really needs to do something and yet can't accomplish it mm -hmm. then it matters it matters that they didn't accomplish it that's a giant problem if it doesn't matter that they accomplish it then why would we care at all that they're doing it right so my issue is that it's not that the canto bite sequences don't develop characters it's that i would have preferred to see that character development happen in a way that was more 
integral to the plot at hand. I think it would have been better, for example, if they had kept the, we're going to disable the tracking device. If they had done that in the actual Star Destroyer, the, the, like the literal plot line is in order to get onto the Star Destroyer, they need the code breaker. We're going to need the code yeah, breaker and we right. got to go get the code breaker. He's in a different system. I mean, like that, that's just, it's just too much for me. Like, you know just, what? That's part of it for me right there. Yeah. Code breaker. <laughs> yeah. Could yeah, we yeah. Come up with a different name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want the red plum bloom. You don't want Justin Thoreau. In the, I don't in mind Justin movie. Thoreau. That's fine. <laughs> but just this, this whole topic of master code breaker. It's like, it's weird. Now, Jim actually says something uh, here that uh, I make a big exception for because he says it kind of seemed as pointless as the pod race from episode one. And it oh, in the pod race, the pod race, the pod race loves the pod race is definitely <laughs> doesn't matter. But I love, I love it so much. Um, I think it's I think it's fantastic. So uh, yeah, I won't I won't agree with Jim, but I appreciate the comment. Um, <laughs> the so yeah I, I think the canto bite it, it just should have been simpler it should have been more to the point um i hope that they do something more with rose's character uh because i i think that her character is i, I really like the actress i really think she does a great job but i think that the character is kind of just like well finn needs to interact with somebody <laughs> right yeah, right um because ray's not giving him the time of day <laughs> right because ray's not around you know <laughs> I don't like that they separated. Poe needs to go pilot stuff. <laughs> I know. And relax. Yeah. <laughs> Poe needs to relax, bro. I, uh, but I, I, so I think that, um, that's what that, those are the issues that I have personally with Canto Bite, uh, and how that, how that plays out. So that would have made the story better for me if we would have had go straight to the Star Destroyer, um, learn the same lessons, do the same things, but we don't need to go to Canto Bite. What's the point of that? Yeah. Um, and maybe Rose could have been the code breaker. Right, like Rose could have oh. said, like, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, like, that would have been way more interesting because she's, you know, she's working on the bridge and all yeah. the stuff, and she, she knew like the the realities of tracking in hyperspace and totally, stuff like that. Totally, totally. Yeah. So, what was the second one you said? Um. Oh, Poe and Finn. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, here's the here's okay, so again. Here. I don't know that I'm really complaining about that. I just. Well, okay, so I uh, for the Story Geeks Club members, I have a couple episodes. I, I mentioned this already, but I have a couple episodes coming out about why you probably liked The Force Awakens or why you didn't like The Force Awakens. Two different episodes of um, almost daily journals that I put out there. I think part of the what you're referencing is that J.J. Abrams had a ton to deal with in The Force Awakens. He had to bring back Han Solo in a compelling way. He had to bring back Leia in a compelling way. He had to bring back Chewie in a compelling way. He has to deal with 3PO and R2. He has to hint at the fact that there's too many characters and we're not going to have Skywalker around for this one. Um, he has to then introduce us to Rey, a character that we've never seen before. Introduce us to Finn, a character we've never seen before. Introduce us to Poe, a character we've never seen before. Introduce us to Kylo Ren and Snoke, characters that we've never seen before. So I don't envy that storytelling issue. Totally. It's so much to deal with. And so when you say things like, you know, okay, well, they're giving us that Poe and, and Finn are like really good buddies. Well, the reason that's happening is because he's like, okay, you have 30 seconds. <laughs> 
you have you have 30 seconds to prove that that like you guys like each other right like obviously he has more than that with those two characters but i'm just trying to point out it's a limited amount of time for sure and i think that that contributes to that problem and it contributes to a lot of problems i really kind of wish that they would have done maybe even said like hey it's not going to be a trilogy it's going to be five movies yeah and like jim said that he would he wished we had seen more of the original characters we never even got to see the three original like trilogy the 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 trinity of the trilogy in the right? same place luke han and time. leia were not in the same place at the same time yeah. ever um we did at least get to see a scene where luke interacted with ray we at least got to see a scene where leia interacted with um with han but han and luke never got to see each other again it's true you know so I think that um, maybe if they would have expanded the story to five films, that we might have been able to get a little bit more powerful connections there. So what else? What are some other ways that you would make the sequel trilogy better? Yeah, I mean, the whole the three not seeing each other all at once. I'm back and forth on that, to be honest. It's a moment that I would have loved to experience. Mm-hmm. But I also like the commitment to the new characters. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I think there is there is definitely a sense of tragedy and a sense of meaning that comes from those characters not getting to see each other again mm. that helps drive the story. Like yeah. that loss of Han yeah. drives Ray as much as it drives anybody else. She watched it happen. Right. You know? And it haunts her. And so I think I, I def as much as anybody, I would have enjoyed seeing them all together. But at the end of the day, I think the choice to keep them separated is a better choice to drive the story. Yeah, I mean, if you have three movies, I totally agree. Yeah. Like, like, you got to get through it. Like, there's no other. What else are you gonna do? Like, you got to move. You got to move all these character arcs forward. Yeah, because if you put all three of them together, even if it's just for a moment, like yeah. suddenly it's about them. Yeah, totally. You know. I just think so. I think that that same problem. I think that J.J. Abrams actually created problems for for Ryan Johnson, yeah. technically, because what he did was he's like, okay, Finn and Ray want to be back together, but Ryan Johnson, you really need to concentrate heavily on Kylo Ren and Ray in the second film. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a major deal, and then also we're going to bring in Luke, and people are going to want to see Luke. So he basically set up. He set Ryan Johnson up to have to make some choices yeah. that, by definition, cause problems for storytellers. <laughs> and then Ryan Johnson turned right around and did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Screw you, bro. Yeah, I'm killing Snoke. <laughs> by the way, there. And then JJ's like, "No one's ever really gone, huh, Ryan? <laughs> Check this out." <laughs> yeah, exactly. He comes back with the the Darth Maul spider legs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say this. There's a lot of false information out there when it comes to how these, how the trilogy has been. It keeps being reported that J.J. Abrams just did the movie and then they handed off another movie to Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. and they didn't even talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's so stupid. Do you understand how many people at Lucasfilm know exactly how this story has been going right. to go forever? Yeah. They may not have talked to each other, but that doesn't mean nobody else was talking to each precisely, other. Precisely, precisely. This was this has been storyboarded. In other words, it wasn't like Ryan Johnson showed up to work and it was like, you know what? Let's just put a lightsaber through Snoke and yeah. see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> that did not happen. That did not happen. That's not how that went down. Um, 
But anyways. someone's like, you want me to call and run that by Kathleen? No, no. <laughs> We're good. Yeah, I'm just no. gonna do it. Nah, Kathleen loves me, dude. Yeah. Just, just go with it. She's the only director that I hasn't been fired. <laughs> she loves what I'm doing with this film. Colin wouldn't have been able to do this, but I think I can pull it off. <laughs> right, right, right. Send him back to Jurassic World. We're good over here. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who don't realize what we're talking about, uh, Ryan Johnson was not fired, but even Gareth Edwards had. <laughs> He didn't even do a lot of the reshoots. Another director was brought in to do a bunch of the reshoots. Colin Trevorrow. No, no, no. Sorry. Gareth Edwards for Rogue One. Oh, yes. Was not fired, but right. it was still, we had another director but come in. But he didn't and finish it. He yeah. didn't finish it. Um, and then and then uh, Lord and Miller were signed up to do Solo, and they were fired oh, in favor of... Uh, I was so glad when that happened. I'm like, those guys are goofballs. Like, don't don't give them a Star Wars movie. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I, I the Lego might, movie wasn't good. that good. Okay, it's not all that. <laughs> oh, oh, shots fired. Shots fired. Really? I Were think, they? You know what? I've heard, I've heard it said that Story Geeks Club member Jim Baldwin, his favorite movie is the Lego Movie, and really? he just threw it under the bus. Really? And, here, and he's here supporting us right now. Really, Jim? Is that true? <laughs> I can't see the screen, so. By the way, Jim says Jim <laughs> says he would have loved to have seen the um, Thrawn trilogy books as the next three movies. You know what? I've read none of that stuff. I know nothing about Thrawn, and yeah. even I think that would be cool. <laughs> I'm just like that's just the little bit that I've seen. I'm like, I'd totally watch. Thrawn that. is pretty awesome. Um, by the way, uh, Mary brought up that there were things that they kind of foreshadowed um, that uh, that they didn't really do much with. Like they foreshadowed like Luke's um, X-wing under the water on Octu, and yet they don't ever do anything with it. And she was just saying like, it would have been a cool training moment where they could have trained, they could have trained Ray to, to raise that up out of the water, like a callback. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if I took that as foreshadowing, but I definitely would have liked to see them do more with it. Oh, I, I'm using the wrong. She didn't use the word forecast for foreshadowing. I did just to say that it was there, but they didn't do anything with it. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and then we really confused Jim because he's like, wait a minute, Mary was talking to me. What was said? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, Jim. Nothing was said at all. We love you. No, we just said that your favorite movie was the Lego movie. You we... said that. No, Daryl said it. And then I, I, what? I... <laughs> I said that the Lego movie is I'm not that teasing, good. I'm teasing. Um, so, yeah. What other ways would you make the sequel trilogy better? Uh, gosh. I don't know, man. You... I love it so much. I love watching those movies. I've watched them both mm. so many times. Yeah. If I have to sit down and work on something, yeah. and I just need a movie that I can enjoy and make <laughs> the environment better, but I don't have to pay attention so closely to it, lately, it's one of those or it's Endgame. Oh, yeah. You know? Good choices. By the way, Jim says, the song was catchy. <laughs> Everything uh... is awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is not awesome. <laughs> um, so I, the only, I don't think that there's much more I have to say about making the trilogy, the sequel trilogy, better per se. I think that The Force Awakens was meant to be a very nostalgic film. Yeah. It comes off as a very derivative film. I think that it's shocking to me. See, that, I, that I don't agree with. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Let's hear, I, uh, let's hear more. Well, I think it's a matter of perspective. Like, I know it has a lot of the same beats as a new hope and stuff like that. Yeah. But I really believe in the reaction that JJ Abrams would have to that, mm. which is we had to give you something familiar. Right. Otherwise there would have been nothing to grab onto. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like 
this had to feel like it came from that world. Oh, I go into some really some some additional reasons to back up what you're saying. Yeah. So I don't take it as derivative. I take it as more of more of an homage type of a thing and more of appropriately similar. Yeah. That's how I would I say it. in this case, I think that both I don't both, know, maybe you're not using derivative as a derogatory term, but to me it feels like one. I would use it both as a derogatory term and I would use the term homage to 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 be a positive term. Meaning yeah. meaning that if you don't like if you didn't want to see a new hope again, <laughs> it's negative. Uh -huh. If you if you do if you really love New Hope and you love the fact that they're bringing up some of the same themes, it's great. It's great. It's, a, it's fantastic to revisit a friendly old location you yeah. know, that you grew up with. Yeah. Um I I think that The Force Awakens is like going back to a 1950s diner that you used to really love going to as a kid. And it's as good as it was when you were a kid, which is rare, by the way. True. They're very much rarely ever as good. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I like, I use the term derivative and homage in, yeah, it's derivative in some ways that you could see as bad, mm -hmm. but I choose to mostly see those ways as good. And, yeah. and it's homage. Me too. Um, so uh, Jim says, do you think um, that is part of the reason the prequels were so bad? It had nothing familiar to grab onto. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think there's something to be said there. They felt so different. Yes. Um, a couple of reasons that I, th that I have a trouble with the prequels. I guess I won't say that the prequels are bad. <laughs> I've said it so many times already. <laughs> what does it even matter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of the things I've said in the past for the reasons that they bother me are the technology issue. Yeah. Now, granted, it was a tough time. George was in a tough spot. He was trying to push the envelope. Right. But things just weren't that good yet. True. So some of that stuff, while groundbreaking at the time, does not hold up That's and true. is distracting. Sure. Um, I do think there is a lot of goofiness to it. Um, Especially the humor. There's a lot of goofy yeah, humor. Jar Jar, the the uh the bots the battle droids oh yeah yeah um roger 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 um the, the direct directing was terrible like you have amazing actors giving terrible performances in these films <laughs> yeah. but that i heard how you really feel i know <laughs> but i heard something recently yeah that i think really really drives it home for me okay and i don't know how true this is you, i read it on the internet so a grain of salt but so probably absolutely true i read that um Someone said that George Lucas revealed his opinion of The Force Awakens. Mm. And one of the reasons he doesn't like The Force Awakens is because it doesn't have enough world building in it. Like uh, environments are too familiar and it doesn't push the envelope oh yeah, the, as the, far the as world building. That came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that to me says so much about his perspective because he's a great world builder. Yes. I'll, I'll hand him that. He's, yes. he's very, very imaginative. But if you look at the prequels, that's almost all it is. It's like all <laughs> these crazy establishing shots of these elaborate planets and cities and environments and these new creatures and all these different ways of looking at things and different sounds. And the environment is, there's a lot of it there. Mm. But I feel like, oh, he spent so much time on that that he forgot to tell the story. Like, yes. that's kind of how it feels to me. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I mean, there was, I can't remember where I heard this, but it might have been the Blast Points podcast, which I 
listened to quite a, quite a bit. I think that they were saying that George Lucas's ex-wife was highly involved in the prequel trilogy or so the original trilogy in saying to George, like, you know, that's not going to work, right? Like the, the general audience isn't going to get behind what you're yeah, saying. Somebody right? else was telling me about this recently. Yeah. Too. And so in the, and you can watch the special features of the, of the prequel trilogy. Ah, it was my friend, Daniel, who was telling me about oh, this. Nice. If he happens to listen to this, shout out to you, Daniel. Shout out to Daniel. Way to go. If you listen to the special features on the prequel trilogy. Okay. Uh-huh. You can tell that he was just doing whatever he wanted to do. Right. <laughs> he was no one was gonna, who was going to tell him otherwise. Right. Like 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 Rick McCallum, who is the the guy with the crazy spiky hair. He was like George is just a genius, and the worlds he's creating are amazing. Like there was no, I, I mean, maybe behind the scenes he was saying something, but you don't get the impression that Rick McCallum was like, bro, <laughs> we're in deep doo doo. Like you're gonna put that in the movie. <laughs> You know, yeah. like he just got to do whatever he wanted to do. And I think that that um, that George Lucas used Joseph Campbell's work in terms of mythology and in terms of the hero's journey. He had other creative forces alongside him with the original trilogy who helped shape that. And he created a technical marvel in the original trilogy. But I think that we would all agree that George Lucas's talent is much more specific to innovation, pushing the envelope, and giving us things that we've never seen before. Yes. And so if he's going to tell us a story that doesn't follow the hero's journey, if he's going to tell us a story that a lot of other people aren't speaking into and it's just whatever he wants to do, we're not putting in him in his strongest seat on the bus, so to speak. And so I think that's that's one of the biggest well, reasons. Also, by virtue of the fact that he directed the movie. Well, that's what I mean. Like, like, it, like, like before he dude, was a you're producer. You're not a good director. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I I might get something. You don't have anything in your hands right now, right? No. A New Hope is a cheesy film. It's like cheesy. a New yeah, Hope yeah, yeah. is not well directed. Yeah, especially comparative to the other two. Yeah, yeah. It transcends, and right. I think it was because he had to work so hard to make it happen back yes. in the day. Like. Yes. He was creating everything, and totally. there's a there's a brilliance and there's a joy in that for sure. Right, that wasn't there when he did the prequels. He wasn't right. building this all from nothing and having to convince the world that this is going to be great. Absolutely, but you can still see the holes in that film yeah. from a direction standpoint. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably didn't notice it then, right? But going back and looking at performances from Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill since then in the same trilogy, right? It's like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> they could have done way better. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Yeah, so I think that yeah, to 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 Jim's point, like part of the reason the prequels were not as good is, I actually would say the main reason is the reason that you just cited mm -hmm. is I think that George Lucas personally had too much creative control without enough creative constraint. Yeah, I think if you give anybody that is, there are certain people that they're very hungry to do a good thing mm -hmm. and and they're very exacting about it and might do a good job if you just gave them like 400 million dollars and said go make a movie yeah but most people it's almost like they need the they need the 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 pressure of trying to create a good movie out of constraints and um and i think george george is kind of one of those people yeah it's harder when you get real comfortable too like <clears throat> the dude is so he's so wealthy 
he doesn't need yeah. the movies to do like, well. Why even wake up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, can you bring me a Diet Coke? Was that <laughs> you will get me a Coke Zero? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, uh, you will get me a Coke Zero. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so I uh, hope you guys will join us for some more of the episodes that we have upcoming. If you have any more questions for us, let us know. The episode that we just recorded. So if you are listening for the first time, uh, the aftercast is something that we record right after the previous podcast. Um, and so we just recorded an episode uh, digging deeper into The Last Jedi. If you listened to yesterday's release, you would have known that. Um, we do record these live now. So some people, Mary and Jim, um, have been listening to this one live, <laughs> which is which is really cool. Um, and... It was a it was a really fun podcast to do. It I had, was. I had a lot of fun yeah. with David. David's um, awesome. Yeah. He he started the conversation by going, you know, I really don't get that deep into this stuff. So I so uh, he's super deep. He's, yeah, he goes <laughs> way deep. It's awesome. Uh, it was really really fun. So we had a great time. Hope you guys really enjoyed that as well. If you guys want to, um, we have upcoming shows all throughout the rest of the year, all related to um, what we're doing here on the Star Wars series. It is mostly all Star Wars. Yeah, it's pretty much all Star Wars. With one shining exception what's the, that what's we that? haven't talked about yet. But really? Is this a nice little secret place to Maybe. I don't even remember it? what this is. What we're recording on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. So we are doing um, a special crossover event with the Fanbase Weekly, which is put out by Fanbase Press. Brian and Barbara Dillon have been on our show from there. And... Um, we are going to do a Buffy the Vampire Slayer slash Angel mm. crossover event with them. Yeah. So we will have the Story Geeks will release a Buffy the Vampire Slayer Dig Deeper episode. Perfect. And then Fanbase Weekly will release an Angel 20th Anniversary Retrospective episode. Yeah. And um, Nick and I from the Story Geeks right. will be on both of those. Perfect. And Bryant and Barbara from the Fanbase Weekly will be on both of those. Nice. And I believe on the Angel episode, mm. we're going to have another guest who is the cover artist for a comic called Sequels, nice. which Fanbase Press put out and is really, really good. So. And Josh Whedon will be joining you guys. Josh Whedon, Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> it's it's going to be a uh, full David room. Boreanaz. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be... It costs a lot of money. We and... thought about having Freddie Prinze come on, but yeah. things have gotten a little <laughs> dicey with that dude lately. So, He's out of balance. Yeah. He's so Sarah's going to leave him at home. He's not going to come in. <laughs> um, yeah, Can I just say one thing about that real fast? About Freddie Prinze? I don't want to badmouth Freddie Prinze Jr. per se. Maybe I kind of do, but... <laughs> So he had that whole rant where he went nuts about Star Wars, right? He's like, yeah. you're all stupid. I knew everything about Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. Cuss, yes. cuss, cuss, F, 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 all this stuff. <laughs> right. Just nutballs. Right. Th that same week, or at least somewhere very close to that, yeah. a video came out where somebody was interviewing Sarah Michelle Gellar, who yeah. is his wife for context, if not everybody knows that. And they were asking her about, like, would you do a Buffy reboot and all this kind of stuff? And all of her answers were so nice and so well thought out and so respectful and so reasonable. And it's like, what happened there? Yeah, what's going on here? I think he was having a rough week of some kind. I, I you know, I feel I feel bad for people when you get in front of a microphone like you could have a bad day. There, there are times when we get in, we get in the podcast studio and I'm like, I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> It's oh like, yeah, it's totally. going to be interesting. I do not feel like talking about this. Yeah, right exactly. Yeah. And so I, I feel like he, he was, uh, you know, maybe not at his best. 
Um, yeah. And he, he did, uh, <laughs> David from the Tatooine Sons podcast. If you listened, you'd know this, but he called it, uh, the Freddie Prince like meltdown. the third time you've said that. You're like chastising people for not having listened. If Live. you have listened, you'd know this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's go not back how, and listen. That's not how you mean it. Sorry. I interrupted <laughs> you. Continue. No, he just, he kept calling it the Freddie Prince meltdown, which I thought was really funny. Um, and True, I will though, either I to mean, be referring to it as the Freddie Prince meltdown, um, whenever we talk about it. <laughs> Which is probably not very often, but it was real weird. I mean, like it was weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so hang out with us. We're gonna do uh some episodes on um well, we have so many episodes. We're gonna do episodes on Anakin's character journey. Um, can we say who's joining us for that one? Um I think we can say it with the caveat that it might still switch. Switch, but yeah. Helen O'Hara is if back. all goes well, Helen O'Hara Hel- will if join us. If all goes well, Hel- Helen O'Hara yes. will be joining us for that. Um, we also have uh, Paul Verhoeven will be on one of our shows. Uh-huh. We've already had David from Tatooine Sons. If you guys have um, previous guests that have been some of your favorites, let us know who those are. We'll try to get them on. Um, uh, it's not comics related, but Scott Nice Wonder may still end up in. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you know, we like talking <laughs> he, to Scott. So he creeps much. his way into everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, who's in the studio today? It's Scott Nice Wonder. And we have an, a fifth host now too. We have a new we host. Do we have? Uh, yeah, Nick. Uh, Nick Duke, um, who is a writer and who also is really good at um, audio video stuff. He is uh, helping us out with our Death of a Bounty Hunter audiobook. He's actually a formally now a host of the Story Geeks podcast. So you'll hear from Nick. Yep. And you can go back awesome. and listen to him on uh, the Tim Burton episode. Yeah. The Nerd Fight on Best Stephen King film. That's right. And something else. I don't remember what is his other one. I don't was. either, but the secret is that I've actually never podcasted with him yet. Oh. So um, the other thing that I want to, uh, last thing before we close it out is that um, we have a sister channel, a second podcast channel called The Story Geeks Talk Disney Plus. It is available wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever your preferred podcast provider is, you can get access to that podcast there. We are going to be doing a Mandalorian, the Mandalorian Disney Plus show. Oh, it starts next week. Starts next week, and Daryl and I will be. Um, we'll have Daryl, Ashley, Pauls, and I will be talking about the Mandalorian, and we actually have several guests that we're trying to to um, get get on that show as well. Uh, and it should be really, really cool. Doing our normal dig deeper thing. So if you're going to listen to other Mandalorian podcasts. Listen to ours just because we're going to go crazy deep like we always do. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the last announcement and uh, just lots of really cool Star Wars content. So if you have any um, friends or family that are into Star Wars, please uh, send them send them this way. We'd love to have them join the conversation. Any any closing thoughts? Sounds good. Yeah, sounds really good. Lots All of right. Stuff. Special thanks to um, Jim and Mary Baldwin for joining us live. And and by the way, this is a new, completely new setup we're using to record live. So thanks for being guinea pigs with us, Jim and Mary. We appreciate it. That is it for today's show. Special thanks for listening. And if you want to listen live, just become a member of the Story Geeks Club for $3 a month or more. You can find more information on the Story Geeks Club at thestorygeeks.com or if you want to go directly there, you can go to patreon.com slash thestorygeeks. $3 a month gets you access to all of the shows that we're able to record live, just like this one. You can join us like Mary and Jim did, which we really appreciate. So go check that out. In the meantime, hope you're subscribed so you can listen to all the rest of the Star Wars content we have coming up. Thanks again for listening and may the force be with you.